0: This is a Radio.com original.
1: This is Coronavirus Daily, World on Pause. I'm Charles Feldman from the KNX Radio.com studios in Los Angeles.
0: And I'm Mike Simpson. 30 million doses of AstraZeneca's COVID vaccine currently sitting untouched in a warehouse in Ohio. Can't be used here in the U.S. because the FDA hasn't approved the vaccine. The government says it's not going to share it quite yet despite requests. We'll look into why those doses are just sitting there.
1: California opening up vaccine eligibility, but there's more opportunity to cut in line
0: now. Speaking of California, we'll hear from the governor about the vaccine expansion and other efforts to slow the virus down.
1: We'll also get into the massive coronavirus relief package the president signed and how it will help people.
0: Now, the unused AstraZeneca doses, Dr. Bruce y. Lee, executive director of public health informatics, computational operations research, professor at City University of New York Graduate School, Doctor, why aren't we giving these vaccines to the other countries?
2: Yeah, so the AstraZeneca vaccine has not gotten emergency use authorization from the FDA in the U.S. yet. Uh, so it it technically can't be used. But um, there is a reluctance um, from the government to release these doses because there's a shortage of other vaccine doses. So the thought is, well, should we hold on to these doses for now just in case these are needed at once the uh, FDA ultimately gives the emergency use authorization if it if it does come. So, so that's the so thinking right now.
0: Why is it taking so long to get this one approved? They did have some trouble. So maybe first explain yep. that to us. And then where is it being used right now? Because some countries have given it the go-ahead.
2: Yeah, there were some delays in the trial. Like, for instance, there were some complications that were had to be investigated. Something called transverse myelitis um, developed in a couple of patients. So they had to... Um, slow the trial to just make sure that that wasn't a side effect due to the actual vaccine because whenever you have a side effect occurring or a problem occurring during a trial it may just be something that just happened with patients that have nothing to do with the actual vaccine so they had to check to make sure that wasn't due to the actual vaccine um and so there were delays in in getting the trial completed and or not completed but getting enough data with the trial to then um Paved the way for an EUA, so the so the AstraZeneca vaccine hasn't gotten to that point yet. Um, so as a result, we, we you know we now have uh, just three vaccines that have EUAs and not the AstraZeneca vaccine.
1: Now, in some Scandinavian countries, they've suspended right uh, at least temporarily mm-hmm. the use of the AstraZeneca vaccine. Why?
2: Yeah, so there's a concern about whether blood clots are associated with the Astrazeneca vaccine. And it's the same situation. You really have to see. You have to say, okay, is this happen? This happened to be a coincidence, a chance occurrence that people who happen to get the vaccine happen to have uh, more blood clots, or is it actually related to the vaccine? So, uh, some countries, as a precaution, have suspended use of the vaccine to say, okay, we want to see. Uh, more data and see what happens in terms of further investigation. It doesn't necessarily mean that it necessarily causes blood clots, um, but they're being cautious and saying, okay, let's hold on for uh, for a little bit. And, you know, the countries have emphasized it's not as if they're completely going to stop using the AstraZeneca vaccine. They're, they're giving it a pause right
0: now. I wonder if, if you know, it does roll out here or, or gets back going in other countries or also would need to be some kind of, you know, PR offensive because no one's going to want to take it if they think it had problems and that's why it took so long getting here or b if it's like some you know this is a second class vaccine this isn't as good and it has all these problems and then why are you giving it to me and not the other one
2: oh absolutely so it's like any product you know people would say well I, you know i want the best product the google best product um and but you know i want to emphasize that that quote-unquote best in terms of the vaccines and in terms of all these trials um you know we have to remember there's many different aspects of a vaccine and there's many different ways of measuring the vaccine so you know the fda is not going to let a vaccine through unless it's demonstrated you know a certain level of, of safety and a certain level of effectiveness so uh yes they they're going to have to do enough communications you know assuming that it, it gets through to get authorizations to 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 Uh, assure the public that this is not a quote-unquote inferior vaccine.
0: Dr. Bruce Wiley, Executive Director, Public Health Informatics, Computational and Operations Research.
1: California is about to open up the vaccine to all adults with health problems or disabilities, as well as all pregnant women, so people will line up and get a shot without having to show any proof of having a health
0: issue or disability. That opens a wide door for people to take advantage. Dr. Jeffrey Luther, member of the California Academy of Family Physicians, board of directors, member of the COVID Vaccine Advisory Committee for California. So, doctor, kind of seems to be on the honor system, yeah? Do I have to bring something that proves I have, you know, a condition, a disability?
3: Interestingly, probably not. Although, as you pointed out, right now it's it's differing by county or by health jurisdiction. Some, like San Diego, up until now has been requiring a note. Orange County has not. And then what we learned yesterday from the state is that as far as the Department of Public Health is concerned, people should not be required to bring uh, an attestation of their disabling condition or their eligibility condition, but just that they can self-attest.
1: Okay. So uh, does that not, by definition, open the system up to enormous abuse?
3: Um, That's my concern, I, I, I'm an optimist, so I won't say enormous, but there will always be people who want to game the system or jump the the queue. Um, and that is a risk of this. Yes.
0: Well, let's try and help people with, with the actual conditions, though. Um, if this is the worry, and yes, we can identify it as a worry. A certain percentage of people are not going to do right. Um, but if I am on this list and I know what should i do to try and make sure that i'm going to get my shot because it's going to be millions of people come monday that are going to be available or in the eligibility system so what's the best thing i can do to make sure that i'm at least early
3: well first remind yourself that not only are you getting into line with millions of other new people but there are still millions of people who have already been eligible for the vaccine but haven't received it yet and remember that the vaccine is still a precious commodity Um, around the country and will be in California at least for the next few weeks. So just because you're eligible doesn't mean it's going to be early that you'll get it. Um, It's true that having a note from a doctor could be helpful, but you have to remember a lot of people in California don't have a relationship with a doctor and it would not be fair to them to require it. So I think in general, not requiring a note or an attestation is a positive thing at getting the vaccine to the people who need it. What should you do in order to make sure you're um, in the queue is at the present time get enrolled if you're not always already enrolled with my turn the government's web-based um platform for keeping you informed and for you to register yourself so that when you are eligible you can find out where um, appointments are available and when and get one scheduled.
1: So, you know, the president last night said that by the end of May, uh, he expects there will be enough vaccine for every American adult who uh, wants one. uh, And that by the first of May, so earlier than that, he wants states to drop the whole tier notion and swing it open, at least in terms of eligibility for everyone. So come May 1st, does this all then sort of magically go away? I
3: doubt it's all magically going to go away. I did watch the president um, make those announcements and I kind of welcomed the, It's a lofty ambition, but I welcome the challenge of it. And when you get enough vaccines, it's true, you can stop doing so many of these nuanced little tiers and sub tiers. Um, but so much has changed so rapidly and frequently in the last two or three months that I'm not going to predict what it's going to look like um, May 1st. I think that's a great target and I hope he's right about. By the end of May, there being enough vaccine for everyone. But um, up until then, we still have a lot of prioritizing to
0: do. How would one pull it off if we are going to pull it off? Do we need more expansion into the pharmacies because it's easier for people to get to those? Or do we just need more of these big super sites where, you know, you can go to somewhere kind of central, even if it's, you know, 10, 15 miles away and uh, line up in your car?
3: I think we need all the above. The super sites are helpful. I think if we can get vaccine into frontline primary care physicians' offices, especially once we start getting the the Janssen vaccine, which doesn't require these super freezers, I think then you're getting it to people's doctors. The doctor, many surveys, surveys have shown that the number one choice most people have for where they get their information and their vaccines is their primary care physician, if they have one. So, is
1: there a projected? Is there a projected time when the average physician in California will have it? Uh,
3: not that I've heard, and that's definitely something our members in the California Academy of Family Physicians are asking. Um, you know, there have been the logistical challenges with the the super cold, freezing vaccines. But as that becomes easier to deal with, it's gotta get out into the frontline offices.
0: Do you feel like that's a pretty big oversight? I mean, I can't count the number of times we've asked doctors all through this process, like family medicine doctors, have you heard anything? Have you been given any guidance? And, and most of the response has been, yeah, it's kind of been crickets, they're going to the hospitals. And we understood that when it was get the doctors and nurses in the hospitals covered, but now we're we're getting past that.
3: Uh, I very much agree. And and part of my role being on the the Community Vaccine Advisory Committee is trying to get that information out to the Family Physicians of California um, to the extent that I get it. And even being on that committee, I don't get all those answers. I don't think it's an oversight so much as, well, maybe it's an oversight, otherwise it's just um, hasn't been enough of a priority for the people making the decisions so far.
0: Dr. Jeffrey Luther, member of the California Academy of Family Physicians, Board of Directors, member of the California COVID-19 Vaccine Advisory Committee,
1: Continuing with California, the governor is with us now to discuss the vaccine and easing some COVID restrictions.
0: So, Governor, President Biden projecting by July 4th, people can gather in the small groups. uh, But we have other states, you know, Texas, lifting restrictions. So where do you think California is going to be?
4: Well, we continue to do what we've done, what we're going to be, where I think the president believes we will be. But not if we uh, model bad behavior, which is, you know, spiking the ball, running the 90-yard dash, mission accomplished, taking off our masks. Going back to our original form, we've got five variants that we're tracking here in the state of California, a homegrown variant with close to 6,000 mutations that we have uh, sequenced in California called the West Coast variant. We have to be mindful of that, but also optimistic. We're so, down to 2.2% positivity. Case rates are down. Hospitalizations, ICUs. Today we announced we reached a profoundly important threshold, 2 million vaccines administered on an equity measure, which now will allow 13 more counties to reopen with modifications. This Sunday, we really are seeing a bright light at the end of the tunnel.
0: So what are we going to do to be ready? Because it's their job to send us the shots. We have to be ready to take them and get them out. What more can we do? Do we need more of these pods? I mean, some of the operations in New York are 24 hours. You can get an appointment at 3 a.m. Do we need to get to that?
4: Well, we're happy to do that if we had the manufactured supply. We're going through our ma- what we receive every single week we will through every single week. There's not a dose that's left behind. We're receiving 1.7 million doses this week. We've designed a system where we can administer 2.7 million today. We are advancing an effort, very specific on-time effort, that will be done uh, coincidental to that May 1st deadline to be able to administer 4 million doses a week. So the only constraint in our ability to uh, administer more vaccines is manufactured supply. That said, No other state in the country has come close. 11 plus million vaccines have been administered and no other state is providing 40 percent of them under an equity index where we're really focusing on those communities with the highest disease burden.
1: Governors, you know, uh, all around the country, not certainly not just in California, communities of color have been at a disadvantage when it comes to the vaccines. And they certainly have been at a disadvantage when it comes to uh, serious illness and death from COVID-19. Now, while there are efforts underway now to mitigate that, I think that a lot of people in these communities of color have been scratching their heads going, why did this happen to begin with? I don't mean necessarily the infection rate, but the vaccination rate.
4: Well, the bottom line is an interesting fact that the black community, African-American community, 4% of the cases in California, 6% of the deaths. It tracks roughly with population. The death rate actually below uh, in terms of the case rates. The community that's been disproportionately impacted uh, correctly is the Latino community, 40% of the population, 46% of the deaths. Uh, we did a lot in the beginning of this to focus on the most vulnerable, and that's our 65-year-olds and, uh, we, and older. And that's where we provided the first uh, allocations of vaccines. And that was important because 75% of the deaths are reflected in that age category. As more supply availed itself. It's allowed us to move into different tiers and to be more targeted. And That's exactly what we're doing. But again, I want to just level set. No other states coming close in terms of advancing a commitment, not just a passing interest to exactly equity think California with 40 percent of all the doses that are now required to go to communities with the highest disease burden, those that have been disproportionately impacted. And it is true. We have had constrained supply. It is absolutely true. That's frustrated all of us. Uh, but the fact remains, uh, this state is administering every single dose it receives every single week.
0: We had this framework for Blue Shield, and first nobody understood what they were going to do. And now no one understands what's going on, because counties, they're not signing on. They, they don't seem interested.
4: That I—that's Unfortunately, uh, there may be some of that misinformation out there, but the reality is quite different and you'll see counties come on board uh, overwhelmingly so in the next number of days. We've been working on a transition that we announced a number of weeks ago that we said would occur in three phases. It would begin on March 1st. It did begin on March 1st, and we're now in the second week of that transition. So over the course of the next few weeks, uh, we will get these counties onboarded. Uh, We'll address, as we did just two days ago, uh, the provider network. We've signed up now 1,200 enhanced providers, And we're going on a platform that allows us more transparency, more accountability. Not every county has been delivering. Not every county has been doing everything that we hoped they would do. We're now creating a level playing field and increasing expectation and performance, and we're making progress.
1: Governor, how concerned are you about the recall?
4: I'm focused every day on getting more doses administered in people's arms. I'm working very closely with the Biden administration uh, on new creative strategy, including being the first state in America that is going to use Medi-Cal dollars, Medicaid money to get testing done that helped us get our schools reopened. Now 9,000 schools of our 11,000 have either reopened for in-person instruction or have announced a but date. you, okay, but you and must I'm focused be, on getting okay, small but you businesses must be, but governor, direct grants. Be, okay, I got no, that. But, uh, forgive me for finishing but that's my focus. OK, that's
1: your focus. But you've got, yeah, I can, mean, you've got started, to be walking yeah, yeah, shoe yeah, gum yeah, at the same time. Yeah, I mean, you've got, you've got to be somewhat concerned about this recall. As you know, there's only been one successful recall in the state history. And, of course, that was uh, Governor Gray Davis. Uh, it's hard to believe that it's not something that goes through your mind on a daily basis while you're concerned uh, with dealing with COVID. And how are you dealing with that reality? Because it is a reality.
4: Well, we'll deal with it. We'll deal with it head on. I can assure you this: we're not going to be timid in terms of taking on this. Is a this is this recall will 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 come into crystal clear focus what it's actually about and when it started, which happened, of course, before the pandemic. That said, um, I'm dead serious. And forgive me if the answer is uncomfortable. I'm dead serious when I say 99.9% of my day is focused on getting vaccines in people's arms, getting our small businesses open and dealing with getting our kids back in in-person structure. It's been a mantra for months now, and it's a mantra because it's where my energy is going, and it's where my focus is.
0: How do you view it, though? You said it'll come into crystal clear view. I mean, is it that you made mistakes, or is it COVID grievance, or is it, you know, you referenced it the other night, partisan political power grab. Then we've got the other one, and it's some of the Democratic allies of yours who said it was a coup, you know, tried to tie it to the Capitol riots, which I think a lot of people found was a huge stretch.
4: Well, it may or may not be. The fact is it started before the pandemic, and I would encourage you to take a look at the actual petition of what this is actually about. That said, this is not where my focus is. This is where uh, we'll be talking a lot more about that if it ends up on the ballot. But right now I'm focusing on what I can control, which is getting this economy moving again, We're enjoying record reserves, one of the highest surpluses in state's history. Uh, We're seeing movement, not only in schools, but small businesses. Uh, And there's not a state by a factor of three and a half million that's administered more doses of vaccine
1: in California. You know, a lot of experts say that, that it's only a matter of time until the next pandemic. Has California learned something from this one so that we are better prepared for the next one?
4: My gosh, understatement. And there's. There'll be vestiges, not only vestiges, there'll be sort of anchored, uh, permanent opportunities for us to address any future, uh, future, uh, mutations. By the way, the mutations are the framework of focus that we all need to be, um, uh, putting our mind towards. Meaning, this notion of herd immunity is questionable in light of all of the variances, in light of all the mutations. And where we're putting a lot of focus right now is not just getting through this summer and getting to where we hope we are, which is reopening our economy, but how we deal with flare-ups, how we deal with different strains—not just UK, Brazilian, South African, West Coast, and New York strains, but other mutations that are inevitable—and so your answer, the question deserves an answer in real time. We're not waiting for the next COVID crisis. We're going to deal in a more iterative mindset. To make sure we're mindful of these flare-ups in real time we have now permanent testing lab that we didn't have before this process we have hundreds of millions not tens of millions hundreds of millions of units of ppe now in our stockpile we have ventilators now in our stockpile uh, we have a constructive understanding on testing and equity and cadences that we never had pre-planned for so absolutely we're resolved to meet this moment, if indeed it comes again on our shores, another uh, pandemic, but also mindful that we've got to work our way through for a number of years, uh, this pandemic in all its forms and manifestations.
0: Governor Newsom, thanks for coming on.
1: Coming up after this short break, the government's giving you more money. Check your bank account soon. You might see an extra $1,400 or more It's from the federal government now that President Biden signed the nearly two trillion dollar coronavirus relief measure.
0: We know people are getting checks, direct deposits. So what else in the bill will help the economy? Villanova School of Business professor David Fiorenza talked to KYW's Matt Leon about what this package means for all of us.
5: This was probably the plan you and I were looking for last year. The beginning, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, it's sort of like I go up to I go up to the plate and I hit a couple singles or a double, but then the fourth time out I hit a home run or a grand slam. This is what this is. Now I know there's lots of money in it, but it actually is helping out those at the lower income levels and maybe possibly help out those who did not recover from the
2: pandemic.
6: I think one of the things that's interesting about this, we talked about it off the air, is that that child tax credit where you're going to have a lot of people with children getting monthly checks from the government to help out. And that is something you talk about really helping people in the lower income brackets. Boy, you talk about an extra $300, $400 bucks a month to, to help out with stuff like that. That's a game changer.
5: That really is, Matt. And that's the way to say it It is a game changer. And there's some consistency there, meaning, as you said, 300 or so a month for uh, starting pretty soon. Now, I think those who voted for this plan figured they couldn't get any increases in minimum wage. So why not look at other options? And this was another option. They figured, well, you're not going to raise people's minimum wages, then why don't we go this route with the child tax credit? And it really is helping those families uh, who have incomes under 75,000 year.
6: I've talked with a couple people about this and I'm fascinated to get your thoughts. This child tax credit, you and I have talked on the air, off the air. Once a benefit's in place, it's hard to take it back in American society. So this thing, as I understand, it would only run through the end of the year, but I can't see any scenario where it's not anything but wildly popular. Have we planted the seeds for some sort of universal basic income in American society going forward, you think, it's possible?
5: Well, Matt, I think you hit it right there. It could be the start of something when it has to do with getting a check more than once throughout the calendar year and consistently getting those checks. Uh, It's almost what I would say – telling people to stop streaming music for free and you have to go back to the music store and buy albums and CDs. Uh, Only foolish people like me still go out and buy CDs and records. Uh, So so the point is, this could be the start of something new, Matt. Uh, You're right. Once you put something in place, it's hard to take it away.
6: How big is the state and government aid? We've talked about that ad nauseum. I know a lot of states have been in better shape than they thought, but this is going to help a lot. On a lot of different levels.
5: It will. And this is perfect timing to bring this up. Yesterday, I was on a Zoom call with 14 people throughout the state of Pennsylvania, high level finance people from cities, counties, and local municipal governments. And some of it is going to reach the local governments. Now, the local governments have to fill out the forms and and online, and they have to qualify that keep good records the past year, but there is gonna be some of that money that will finally reach some of the, our local towns that all of us live in, in the in the tri-state area. So I think uh, it's going to be good. It, it's finally getting to the states and to the counties and to the cities. And I've seen some positive things happen. Certain counties have, have, have expanded their health programs, uh, which is a good thing. They've expanded um, all kinds of outreach for, for social services. So some of the money's going in that direction as well.
6: A four-month low in people filing new claims for jobless benefits. Still a really high number, 712,000 or so, but trending in the right direction. And I I feel like we're starting to see some momentum build on this front.
5: Right. Even though the numbers are stubbornly high, and they had been for months, you're right. It's trending down lower. And we may see a number under 700,000 next week, as you had stated off the air to me. Uh, We still have millions who are out of work. We still have people who have stay-at-home orders. People are getting used to working at home uh, for the most part. Uh, I think you're going to see the numbers go down as we see the warmer weather in the tri-state area.
6: Anything, any indicators you're looking for, anything you want to keep an eye on here over the next couple weeks that uh, could help to see if we really are on the, the path to complete recovery?
5: Well, what I want to look at is inflation, because even though it's not, it's not going up that much, uh, we're seeing some prices go up. However, the PPI, which is the producer price index, is starting to go up. And what I've seen is in a, is that most companies are not passing those costs on to the consumers, meaning such as metal, steel, uh, iron ores. They are passing on lumber costs, <laughs> Uh, because we've had some a shortage of lumber that's happened. So I want to take a look in the next couple of months for inflation for consumers as well as for producers of products.
1: Once enough time has passed for all adults in the country to get vaccinated, what should we do with those who never got vaccinated for whatever reason? Well, a new Reuters poll finds 62 percent of us think unvaccinated people shouldn't be allowed to travel on airplanes. It also finds 55% of Americans think unvaccinated people should not be able to work out in public gyms, go to a movie theater, or go to a concert. 18% of Americans received at least the first dose of the COVID vaccine as of March the 12th. And President Biden has said all adults will be able to receive a vaccine by the end of May.
0: Find us on the Radio.com app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.